Hey guys, it's Greg with the Shooter's Mindset. Um, I'm here today um, playing host as Jennifer is busy working. Uh, we got Corey, our co-host here with us. How are you doing tonight, Corey? Super good. Getting ready to shoot in the next three days. Very nice. Then we have uh, Ruth Susie. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. Um, and then we have... <laughs> <laughs> where you appreciate Jenny more, Greg. <laughs> normally this and every good is man is a better woman there you go yeah normally this is the part where i'm muted and the stuff that auto pops up on the other screen uh nobody can hear that forgot about that part but anyway uh before we get deep into what we're here to talk about today uh, um we'll go ladies first ruth um you may not have been around the sport for decades but you're no little detail in the precision rimfire community. Tell us a bit about your background, how you got into competitive shooting and all of the things that you do in the shooting world nowadays. Yeah, uh, let's see where to start. Uh, I've been competitively shooting for not quite four years yet. Um, started in NRL 22 in 2019, um, got heavily involved in that. And now at this point, I'm hosting the NRL 22 podcast. I'm on the board of directors for NRL 22 or board of advisors, sorry. And um, I recently just joined the Applied Ballistics Ambassadors Program. So I'm pretty excited about that stuff. Um, oh, congrats. Thank you. I'm having uh, fun. I was like, now I'm actually going to have to learn how to set up my Kestrel and help other people do it. So you know, I just basically copied Justin's profile previously. <laughs> I was like, I can do it. good to go. Uh, so, no, I know a little bit, but now I'm going to have to dive in, which is good. It's good for me. Um, but it, that was an easy ad because those guys are, are really um, the only ones doing what they do right now in the sport in terms of digging into the data, which is really cool. So, yeah, that's what I got going on. Plug your chat heckler because I think the best video online on youtube that i've watched to give you a background on how to use your kestrel and a calm midwestern great lakes voice is he's got one on there that i share with new shooters if they need to know how to figure out their kestrel i go to heckler's video central so that's super cool yep so tell us about you yeah so as you saw from my, or people probably saw from my uh, my profile picture for the USA team, I'm eating a donut. So I'm kind of a factory at heart. I started shooting. I took up shooting and my dad would take me to uh, like local three position matches, like a like little uh, NRA club. But afterwards we would go get apple dumplings. So I figured out if I keep going to shoot, I get apple dumplings, right? So like we go every Wednesday night to local clubs since I was probably 12 years old. And shoot three position, just loved it. Good good camaraderie even with like the three position indoor club and um, never stopped. So I've been shooting since I was competitively since I was 12 or 13. I can't remember how old it was, but it was right around then trying to hang with Grant was in, but um, so three position, um, four position, service rifle, and then um, got out of the service and started shooting this stuff. So kind of took it on as kind of like a fun kind of little play on shooting like my dad and i both got semi-automatic um anschutz mxrs which are like a scar version of a 22 and we would shoot really? this is a peacemaker out in um, west virginia if everyone's familiar where that's at they yeah. uh good facility right 
the great matches kind of started shooting there uh, or seven years ago we would shoot semi-automatics with like cci velocitor with like a nikon v2 <laughs> and it was just a blast like, i wanted something i've always shot a competitive sport to where i shot it and didn't enjoy it like i got to the point where i'd be yeah. mad at myself if i didn't shoot perfect every single time and that's the thing I love about this sport is there is no perfect 600, perfect 300, perfect 400 every time. Like if you shoot a perfect match every time, it's an anomaly, right? Um, yeah. But a lot of other shooting disciplines, especially indoor things where you control environmentals, you look for that perfect result every time. And if you don't get it, you know, you're, sometimes it's hard to mentally to deal with it. But that's what I love about the PRS and NRL and that style of shooting is it takes your ego squashes it and it says, okay, um, it's not going to be perfect every time. Right. Um, right. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of what I like about it. But I guess like, the it, counterpoint it, 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 to that is, yeah, when you do get that perfect stage and that perfect run, that's when it makes it sweeter. Right. Because you're mm -hmm. not going for it every week or if like you, you drop the shot, like, okay, the match is over. Where like you're you're trying to get that feeling of man, I did everything right on just that stage. You try to make mm -hmm. it the next like the next time is the match. It's cool. Yeah, part it's of an the interesting way. It's like staying in the right mindset if you do make a mistake and fighting yeah. your the rest of the match, especially if you're in a two day match, because uh, you can you can come back from a bad stage, which is like you just have to shift your your uh, mental game to accommodate. Yeah, so, you come back from a bad day, right? Yeah. Um, you guys yeah. both dwell on it the entire time, really focus on just that mistake and get angry about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so what do you do, right? I don't count a point, never. That's one thing I learned. If people ask you what you're shooting, one of the best shooters I know, if you ask him what he shoots, he says he's clean. And you believe <laughs> it? He's that good. You know what I mean? If yeah. I took on his mentality, People ask me to shoot, I just say I'm clean. Um, because in my mind, everything point forward is clean. Everything behind me is written out on paper. I'll look back at it later. You know? Yeah. Okay. So. Sam, I, uh, I've had a few matches um, where there were just external things going on. Like uh, in at the NRL 22 finale last year, my body was trying to kill me. I had appendicitis and I didn't know it. I just didn't feel good. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I was like, well, this is going to be me trying to fight through this because there's going to be a time in my competitive career where I'm going to run into a situation I don't have control over and I'm going to have to continue to perform to the best of my ability under those circumstances. So, you know, I've had a couple other matches since then that, you know, either the weather, you know, wind wasn't cooperating with me um, or, you know, something else was going on. I threw out my back and one and I was like, I'm just going to fight through it and I'm going to try the best I can at each stage. And I just take it one stage at a time and forget about what happened before because I, I don't have control over it. So what I can control, like Greg said, it's already done and over with. What I can control is how I approach the next stage um, and, and how I perform there. So focusing on one at a time is kind of what I try to do. Okay. Are you all both serious at matches or, or do you like just in the middle of the stage, like just look over at someone like while you're shooting, give them a little kiss or something. I don't know. Just like, is, is it always that like focused mindset or, or do you use like humor and just breaking up the, like the nerves in a certain way, or is that just not your style? You want to go first, Ruth? Or you want me? Uh, 
Yeah. Sure. So for me, um, it depends really on, on the match. If, if we're in a long match situation, I have to break away in between stages while I'm shooting the stage for the two minutes I'm on the stage, I'm focused. Um, like if you remember stealing my GoPro, you recorded me on a stage last year and I didn't even know you were there until I was totally done shooting the stage. Uh, how could you forget (laughs) (laughs) I might have I left it somewhere that was a mistake I have I'm gonna publish that video by the way I just have to compile it first so uh there's a lot of good videos on there yeah we're gonna we're gonna share that with the world it's uh too special for me to keep it for myself um so I really (laughs) I I try to focus in during that two minutes um I know tons of people know this about me because I I talk about it quite a bit um I deal with ADHD um at an extreme level when it comes to this sport. I feel like a lot of us have it, uh, which is interesting because it's also like the most challenging thing in the world, like the most challenging activity you could choose um, for someone who struggles with ADHD is a sport because you need to focus on what you're doing. And if people are having a conversation around me, it'll pull me out of that moment. And, it, and it's made me miss shots before. So, so I was at the Rimfire Revival uh, in Utah a, a few weeks ago. And my team was really chatty. It was later in the day. This was an exhausting match. It was like crazy conditions, wet, uh, snow, deep snow, you know, blocks of ice walking through the mountains the whole time. And um, we got to this stage later in the day and it was the time stage. And, you know, I'm just going through it. And I was like, hey guys, I love you all. You're wonderful people, but you're being really loud right now. And I'm like in the middle of the stage yelling at them basically. But, you know, I mentioned that a nice way because I, in addition to the fact that, you know, I, I have a hard time when other people are talking, I'm always the one that's talking to somebody behind somebody else shooting. So like, I'm not mad at people. <laughs> I just, uh, sometimes need a little reminder so I can get focused in on, on what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I remember also, I was at a match and it was, uh, a good friend of mine, Paul, he shoots X matches with me and he was, there was a new youth shooter there. And stage one, pretty easy stage in his bunker. And uh, I remember it's high bunker. And he's telling the you shooter what I'm doing while I'm doing it. And it's quiet. He's like, all right, Greg is getting down. He's got his rear support. And I couldn't get him out of my ear. Like, <laughs> my life for me, I couldn't think about what I need to do. Because I'm thinking about what he's saying I'm doing. It was the oddest experience ever, right? So, hey, competitors, want to get my head died? Give me the give me the rundown on what I'm doing while I'm doing it. But it was it was interesting. But most shoots, I, I go into I shoot so much because I'm shooting four to five matches a month that I pick what I'm going to concentrate on. So, is I think there's a little bit of a you can get in a little bit of a fatigue or like mental concentration, right? So, can you give it a hundred percent mental? five, six matches a month and make that your normal. I don't, I don't think it's a, it's sustainable. So I give myself like, here's a day I'm going to focus on a friend. Here's a day I'm going to focus on those people in my squad. Here's a day my wife comes with me and we're going to, I'm going to focus on her. Right. And some of those matches I'll pull my score. Like I'll shoot a match. I focused on my friend and my wife. I pulled my score. I don't even put it in because it's not represented how I shot. I just got to shot for fun. Um, other ones, if I if I give it my all, it stays in, right? So I, I try to pick a few matches where I want to win this one. I want to win by six, and let's do it. Um, 
So I've got those bookmarked in my mind for the year, which ones I want to compete at that level at. And then I prepare for those ones and everything else is preparation for those. So um, that's kind of how I look at it. I pick probably five or six that I'm going to work at 100%. And then the rest, I try to trade at 80% mental on a match. So, okay. So obviously there's a big match coming up. Um, it's going to be on your list. What is it? Tell us about it, right? I got, so here, here's my list. I've never won a Yeti match. I've come so close. <laughs> I'll be like a couple of tests beside the best shooter in the United States, which I believe is Chris Simmons. Uh, consistently, there's a tight top three. Chris, Paul, Justin, tight top three. They're, they're, they're so tight. Um, but I was so close one time. And uh, that's probably the match I want to win most because there's a very Ben Blevins put Ben Blevins puts it on in Kentucky. Yeah. Very high level of competition comes to it. That's the first one I want to try to win. The second one, I think, is a match I've never been to before, and that's in Minnesota. Probably the biggest rimfire match right there beside probably Levi Wilson's match. He's got a pretty big match him into, but it's another high level. Lots of good shooters come to it. I'm focused on that. Um, and I'm focused on NRL Championship, Worlds, and then Pires. So the regionals. That's, that's kind of my big five right there. But what about you, Ruth? Yeah, uh, so we got the NRL 22 championship coming up in July, which I'm just going to use as a prep for Worlds. But really, um, my focus right now is doing what I need to do at whatever matches I get to um, to focus in and, and try to bring home that that world title. So the IPRF um, World Rimfire Championship is happening in Italy at the end of August. I think it's the, Greg, you're going to have to help me out because I got the dates wrong before. It's the Yeah, I got you. <laughs> August 28th through September 4th, okay. there's a, there's a string of stuff happening inside of there. Yeah. Okay. So we're, uh, we're sending a team of 22 over to Italy to represent the U S um, which we're pretty excited about. And, uh, so that's basically my, been my focus this year is, you know, I've got some matches I'm going to get to, um, as many as I can. We are hosting one, the one that, um, Greg's coming to in Minnesota which uh, if you haven't signed up yet and you plan on it, you better message me because we sold out a couple of times now. I added I added one slot per squad, but we're at 109 shooters right now registered. Uh, and nice. ROs. So the middle of nowhere, Minnesota too. That's the thing. Yeah. Yep. It's going to be a good time. Um, and then we're going to have eight members of Team USA competing in that match. And then uh, 10 of us obviously will be there because Justin and I are hosting um, so we're going to do a class the next day too, which is also a fundraiser for us um, that are going over to Italy. So if people want to sign up for that, we still have spots in the class. Um, if you want to sign up for the class, I might be able to sneak you into the match too, if you want to come and make a weekend of it. Um, but yeah, that's what we're, we're focusing in on is getting our, getting our team ready, um, getting us over to Italy and it should be a really good time. I'm excited. We've got a great group of people that are going, um, including an all-female team of youth shooters. So saw that. Excited about that. A lot of good shooters. Yeah. A lot of good shooters that could possibly win the match. Absolutely. Very much so. Very so that class so. kind of like our ladies last year in center fire. I thought our lady team that went to France could have won the whole thing. I mean, those <laughs> girls were they're amazing shooters. Barred up. They they win two days and they win one day here. So you know, so yeah. those, yeah. those three girls. Yeah. 
So the process of picking the teams, right? How did how did that happen? And like, as far as representing the U.S., is that something that like y'all have really had set in? Like you're going across the world to represent Team USA. So I'm going to let Greg speak to the selection process because he was actually one of the advisors on, you know, how to choose the mm -hmm. criteria. So you can get into that. Um, as far as representing the U.S. goes, it's a really humbling experience. Um, every, everyone's rooting for us and wants us to go, you know, sweep the podium. And I'm I'm right. fully intend on doing that. However, it's a lot of pressure. Right. So, um, you know, that, that has not escaped me that I can't, I can't not perform at this match. So I'm excited about it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, you know, in the back of my mind, there's a lot of people back home that are rooting for us. Yeah. I try not to put too much pressure on it. I mean, the biggest thing is get over there, get acclimated, um, to the other match. We compete against the highest level almost every time we come out nowadays i mean everyone's traveling everyone's shooting so i don't think i try to tell myself i try to use it as a way to push myself to train more like i i'm a guy that needs competition to train like okay. if i don't have competition i'm not going to put the reps in so knowing that i have responsibility it's going to make me work harder too so um but to go into kind of like how we worked on selecting the team, how we kind of came up with a methodology for it. And so our president, Greg Bell, you guys know Greg, sure, right? Great guy. Hey, dude. Arkansas. Um, hopefully he's listening, watching. But uh, he formed a committee. So it was myself, um, Justin, and Paul Dollard. So you've kind of got a good representation of West Coast, Central, East Coast. You've got um, all three of us shoot both series is NRL and PRS, right? Especially this 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 last uh year we were at all three of us were at both national championships. Um so you've got a good representation to look at like both perspectives, right? And then we kind of looked at what what does it look like as far as how tight it's going to be, right? So how do you pick a good methodology? How do you find a good way to pick matches that are meaningful? So we looked at what we landed on. Uh, I'll tell you how we made the sausage. But what we landed on was your best national championship, right? So you had two years back, you'd have um, two PRS matches, two NRL championships, right? So you got four to choose from. You could pick your one best. And then you also had your uh, two best one days. Um, and those, those, those one days are either PRS regional finales, there's like 18 of them in two years. Yeah. And NRL's 22 matches that are greater than 50 people. And that put it at like 20 matches and 18 matches, depending on if you only shot once, if you only shot right. one game, one membership, you shot that one. We want to make sure people have like an even, an, e an even chance of getting it, right? You don't wait it one way or the other. And it really worked out well. Right. Like, I think if you look at our team, you take the time to look at where those people shot out of the 10, top 10, you have around out of the 21. Everyone's probably a member of, almost everyone's a member of both, right? You have very few out of the top 10, maybe like two people that are members of only one of them on either side. So we, we ended up, in my opinion, getting it right, um, super tight. If you look at our factory division, we've got three mm -hmm. of the four people with 287s. That's their score, 287.8, yeah. 
to 287.7. So we got it down to where no matter what, no matter what you shot, it was weighted evenly. We, we took the, the time-based points out of, out of NRL, and we also looked at, at a, a weighted hit percent or, and a weighted um, percent of number of shooters at the match just to make sure we got it right. Because if you end up looking at what we have, I mean, you've got tenths of a point between factory shooters. Um, like the top four were from 300 to 298. I mean, it was just yeah. so tight, the competition right. for, for folks. And we had over 50 people apply. So, I mean, it's very tight, very competitive. You got to get that right. I mean, there's, you got one chance to do it right the first time. So we put a lot of time, all three of us did, and bouncing back and ideas back and forth, talking to each other, um, everything. So it's, you know, it's it was a group effort all the way. And I think that, I believe we got it right. We'll see what we do in two years and how it changes, but the sport's going to change in two years and the match types are going to change in two years. For sure, yeah. And have more options, so. Yeah. I think that but I, I think, yeah, the, the biggest thing that I saw when you guys announced that was if, if you were to take the teams that you announced, I could see any one of those people winning the match, right? And I, that's the goal. So yeah. you, you can't argue, like, those are the best shooters. Like you could put them in any match in any place in the country, which is more or less what you did. Yeah. And you could expect one of them to win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tim Nowak, our senior, qualified for open. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Ahead of me. I mean, just stud, solid stud. Top, top yeah. five, two years in a row at the PRS championship. I mean, solid guy, very good person, mentors you shooters. I mean, and nicely went to a senior spot when I mean, he could have took an open spot. I mean, just, right. Yeah. I mean, when you have a senior that shoots uh, a 293 as, 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 a, as a score going into the world, man, that's, it's a lot of work he put in and uh, testament to, to Francis's region too. He's, he's done a lot of work to mentor shooters up there. So, you know, yeah. And I think to that point on the seniors, you, you've got the kind of classic example of the, the lady junior shooter that can also win the match. And in our just club series, right? Kate Estes, who's on the team, is number two overall in both center fire and rim fire. So three matches in, she's, she's number two in both series. So that I really do think that the sport is at that point where the level of talent is getting to be so good that you really have to be top level to get in these spots, especially the next mm -hmm. two year cycle. Agreed. And yeah, that's pretty cool too. But... She's uh she's 16. She made the ladies team. So that's pretty cool too to see. Yeah, I think you guys did an awesome job of, of getting this team together. You know, last year for Centerfire, everything was so rushed, like just the fact that that many people, thanks to Angela Zane, were able to logistically make their way to France. Um, so you guys had the time, and Justin just commented, he said that you're being humble. You put a ton of work into compiling all the data that was used to come up with the selection criteria, <laughs> um, which I think is why there's, you know, I haven't heard anybody complain about anything really that, that you guys have done to come up with this team. I think you guys did excellence at that. I'm a data nerd, so I kind of, I don't know, wasn't always <laughs> that way, but through work, I kind of 
formed that ability, I'd say, but I like to know things. So I like to know where I'm at. And I think through that, I kind of formed all this data. So, yeah, yeah. my advisor always said, what does the data tell you, right? Let the data tell you what the result is, right? Mm -hmm. so, I think it, yeah, I think it worked. Uh, another live we got was, will there be a bourbon stage uh, at IPRF Worlds? 100%. So okay. as, as you know, the last, I don't know a bottle of bourbon last year, but the first Texas PRS championship, I brought it. Oh, you brought it both times. Everybody yeah. signed it, and we handed it out to the skill stage winner. I, I'm a big fan of handing out bourbon because I think it builds camaraderie, um, at least for the folks that want to drink some of it. Um, the rule is you always yeah. have to open it. So I 100% plan to bring at least two or three bottles of bourbon to Italy. One is going to go to the match director. One is going to go to the property owner. You never know what we're going to get. And then um, yeah. one's going to go to like whatever skill stage. So and we can sign them all. Yeah, that's cool. But that's yeah. the fun part about it. Some will have a keepsake forever. That's awesome. <clears throat> so yeah. flying around the world with a rifle to shoot a match is like a super affordable, easy thing to do, right? Mm -hmm. um, you guys came up with a pretty <laughs> cool way to kind of help offset the cost for the team by holding a I don't even know what to call this thing. It's a combination of a raffle and a sale and an auction. Um, if you're watching us live, the link for this fundraiser, it's already in the live screen description and we'll post it again someplace else. So someone tell us a little bit about what you guys got going on and how it works and how it's going to help. Bruce? Yeah. Uh, so we, I call, I've been calling it a fundraiser, Greg, because that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to raise funds, right, for the team. So we have 22 people. Um, five of those are youth, meaning they're under the age of 18, which means they have to, they legally have to have uh, a parent with them for them to participate over in Italy with a, a rifle. So that means they have two people to pay for. Um, for Justin and I, since we both made the team, we also have two people to pay for. And most of the rest of the team is, um, you know, so if you do the math on that, um, it, it ends up being pretty expensive for, for us to travel. And so the goal with the fundraiser is for us to raise enough funds to help offset some of that cost. Um, so we can really, you know, focus on the task at hand. Um, so, you know, we, we put together this fundraiser, we talked to some of our favorite people in the industry to see if they could support us. Uh, we had a lot of people come out. Um, we've got five different firearms that we're raffling off. So there's a really, really cool custom 1911 that Voodoo Gunworks has uh, donated to us. Now the photo that's oh, in- Whoa. So the photo- Buy some tickets, Corey. Yeah, yeah. So so you buy tickets for that. The the Voodoo Gunworks in the 1911 is going to actually be a distressed flag. It's a custom build, one of a kind, Ooh. and it's going to have a custom case oh, that goes with it. Good. So it's going to be super cool. Um, and then Bergara donated actually two rifles. So they donated a B14 HMR and they also donated a B14R, which is super awesome. Um, and then Obsidian Ooh. Arms is actually a, a local place up here. Corey, I'm, you should uh, hang out with those guys since you love Minnesota companies. By the way, I grew up in Minnesota. So, you know, I saw me some primers down there from Everglades, favorite Minnesota company. Yeah, there's some primers on there too. Um, so the Obsidian Arms is a is a super modern, high quality AR in uh, 223 Wild. Um, so it was really nice of them. They they do a lot with the three gun world. 
Um, but they make some really great parts. So they, they donated a rifle to us and they're, you know, local to Minnesota, which is super fun. Um, and then Daniel Defense, they donated a Delta 5 Pro, which is super exciting too. So all of those nice. are raffle based. Um, you can buy tickets for them and, and try to win. And then uh, it looks like Greg is buying one of our awesome Team USA stickers. It's going to be a minute, Greg. You got to get in and put your credit card in there, buddy. <laughs> I'm literally just so glad this is being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> it's up for a few down. more days if you want to write. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so um, you do okay. have to... You have to put your address in to register. I did have that as optional originally, but then I ended up needing to email people and ask them for their mailing address anyway. Um, so go. I'm the one that sees your address when you register. It's so that I can send you a thank you note primarily, um, just thanking you for your support because this community is amazing. Uh, we wouldn't be here without all of the wonderful people in it and the amazing sponsors we have. So, um, you know, I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna send everybody a little thank you note who participates. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, um, there is no better really... team than, than, than Ruth, like the work that she's put into this. I mean, she created all the shooter profiles. She got all the information. She, she bird dogged me to get all the information to her. I mean, not only me, but 21 other people, probably including Justin. Yes. I mean, he was one of the leads. <laughs> it was like, I, I, I did a little bit of public shaming by messaging people and put their first name in the, yeah. the last five in an email and said, hey, Justin was one of them. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I mean, you're a force in the sport and I'm glad to call you a teammate because you do so much for our team. It's it's amazing. You know, the, the, the leadership you show and the amount that you go the extra mile to get all this set up. I mean, it, it, it's Ruth that, that I know of. I mean, she's the one pushing all this stuff and getting it done. I mean, it takes the effort and time to do it. And I very much appreciate you and, 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 and what you've done for us. So uh, at least for me, thank you so much. So. Thanks, Greg. And uh, likewise, so all the data people um, and the, the high detail people, that's cool. I'm, I'm good at wrangling cats, uh, which is what most of this is. But, uh, but yeah, I just, um, you know, there's so many amazing people in this community and, and vendors that we work with to support our matches. And I knew that there was a lot of them that wanted to be involved and support the team. But, um, you know, it just felt like, um, you know, our, our ladies team is super young. Um, and our, our guys team, you guys are amazing people with a whole plethora of talents and none of which is organizing, uh, something like this. So, uh, <laughs> I just, I know yeah. no, she's right. She's right. I'm a hammer. I love these guys, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's what makes everybody better. I appreciate it for sure. I just, I know my role. That's, that's what it comes down to. You're good at it. So. So let's say someone's watching right now and they're like, oh man, I'm an executive for this multi-billion dollar firearms company. I'd love to donate a rifle to, to raffle off. Is, is it too late? Like, no. no, good question. So our, our auction and raffle will go through April 30th. So that gives uh, plenty of time for us to continue to add things. We'll be posting from the USPRA Rimfire Team USA Facebook page. Um, any updates too as we add items and we'll also be giving a shout out to the people who've already supported us um, thanking them for 
for that and highlighting some of the items that they donated. So there's some really cool stuff on the on the site. Um, I highly recommend checking it out and, and getting out there. There's some stuff that still hasn't been bid on yet. We've only been open for four days, but um, you know, Short Action Precision just threw a bunch of stuff on there and they have a, a new BMR um, and Tico, T1X uh, magazine carrier. And they, they threw some of those on there along with some other magazine carriers and some slings, which is super cool. Um, so there's some less expensive stuff in there. And then there's some, you know, high end, really expensive stuff in there. And then, you know, the firearms obviously are, are being raffled. So um, if you want to support the team, but you, you don't really want to buy a raffle ticket or don't see anything you like, you're welcome to do a donation. Um, for five bucks, I'll mail you a sticker, a Team USA sticker like Greg was buying. <laughs> Um, and then we, we're doing directed donations too, because I know there's a lot of people who, for example, really wanted to, to donate to the juniors team. Um, so at, at the bottom, you can also donate specifically to, to different groups of people. Um, and I will make sure that that gets divvied up amongst those team members only. So lots of ways to participate. I think it's fitting you put boy and Steiner beside each other. <laughs> Probably like the best haircut, best, <laughs> best beard. Like, you know what I mean? Two playboys, yeah. look at him. <laughs> My handsome well, factory team right there. Yeah, that's good stuff. And let's reiterate the fact that they got primers. Yes, DSD Precision donated some primers, and then our good friend JT Hall dug into his personal uh, stash. And then, um, yeah, we also got a, a brick of them from, from JT. So, yeah. so these are... These are bid things right now. And the price is still cheaper than like unnamed bulk retailers on the internet. Exactly. It's like so it's a good time to get in. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, there's a really cool uh metal flag on there too from King Skull Metalworks. That's that's had the most bids so far, which doesn't surprise me because it's super cool. Um, but that's yeah. a lot of fun too. If if Jennifer yeah, cool. be going crazy over that flag, she has one similar that she loved hmm. we're going crazy on them stickers <laughs> Big fan. they're super cool again look at all the stuff Bruce's doing she got stickers made come on i made the team logo and then i was like it's cool i like it i like how it turned out so i'll make stickers out of it i don't know yeah did you order your jersey yet ruth say that again have you ordered your your jersey yet i did i did order my jersey so I put I put the logo on it on the on the sleeve just for oh, nice. Yeah. I'm playing Jane. There's only two things on my jersey. The C for Captain and the USCMC EGA. That's it. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Nice. So for those who don't know, Greg is our uh, team captain. Um, our fearless leader, the the man we go to to solve our problems for us. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So we're about at the midpoint of the show. Remember, if you're watching us live on Facebook, ask any questions you may have in the comment section of the video. We'll ask it live on air if it's mildly appropriate, at least. Um, other ways to catch us, you can always check back on the Shooter's Mindset Facebook page. The videos all stay up there forever. We usually upload to all the podcast apps the night after the show. Um, so you can take us on the road with us. And then finally, everything eventually ends up on the Shooter's Mindset YouTube page. So that's a great place to go back and look at um, past the past 400 episodes besides for because we're on 401 now um so a little bit of exciting news 
um, that I know a lot of you guys have asked for over the past year, year and a half. Um, you guys are not, you guys, Ruth and Greg with two G's are not going to be the only people going to Italy. Um, Jen and myself are working on a plan right now um, to come and do similar but better what we've been doing at AG Cup for the past several years, which is Jennifer running up behind people and being like, oh, they only need one more impact and then they'll make the final. At AG Cup, we were, we, were, we were designed to be a stressor for the shooters. Um, at this match, we won't be quite all up in there and talking like that, um, you know, kind of out of the way, but we are going to do our best to get some really cool live footage for the entire match streamed worldwide. Um, there's still a lot of logistics to work out. Um, we're working to sell commercial spots on our live stream that's going to be global to help fund our trip. Because again, we also found out it is expensive to get um, over to Italy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Turns out, yeah, not cheap. Not not at all. Um, looking at about, You're looking at about eight grand before you buy food or drinks. Yep, it, that's pretty much where we're at right now. And we have some pretty significant expenses. Um, we're experimenting with a new switch streaming platform um, that'll let us connect up to nine iPhones to one iPad. So that instead of that whole standing around and being like, oh, we're going to we're going to wait. Um, there's there's deer down the range. So as soon as the deer leaves, hey, how was your dinner last night? Um, we'll be able to switch stuff up from cameras, pre-recorded interviews, obviously some really cool commercials from some really awesome people. Um, we still got a long way to go on this, um, but we are to the point that we decided to tell everybody about it. Yay. Nice. That means you're committed now. So I'm yes, excited. I know. This is Good. like, there was a long, a long conversation. Like, are, are we, are we ready for this? Not really. Um, so we're going to go ahead and say, say it to push ourselves forward. Yes. My, Heck my yeah. answer is always yes. <laughs> <laughs> of the airbnb where we're staying it was like greg if you're willing to stay on the couch this pullout then you guys can stay with us and it's like there's an indoor and an outdoor pool in this place so it's going to be pretty cool yeah just so i'm volunteering to live on a couch for a week for y'all so there's <laughs> yeah i mean you could be in san francisco you could go over there in the house you know so Tim, Tim asked about the training opportunities. Um, uh, so there's a couple of things that MPS is doing with, um, with the Team USA. So there's a group of four of us up here in this area that are going to do a training class in Wisconsin uh, on the 15th of April. So that's coming up really soon, but we do have a couple of spots left for that one. And then there's also um, the training class on May 21st in Minnesota. Uh, there's going to be 10 of us there. So a, a whole group, including Greg. Um, Justin, Paul Dallin, um, just a oh, bunch great. of the top shooters are going to be there for that one. So recommend people show up for that one too. That's awesome. So it, that's anyone can show up, zero experience, trying to make it the next time as far as the two-year cycle, nothing required. Yeah. Yep, pretty much. Um, nice. We'll take care of it. Do I need to have all of my match ready gear or should I just 
say screw it grab what I have and come we prefer if you show up with a 50 yard zero um we have tons of equipment and we have loaner rifles so if you if you don't have something um the way we're going to do the class on the 15th um we actually have you sign up and say I, I have a 50 yard zero if you need stuff and you need equipment just let us know in advance but um, for the class on the 21st, just given the fact that there's going to be so many instructors, we're going to do it more like a, like a conference would be. So we'll have different stations with different instructors at them on different topic areas. And you can stay at one station or you can go um, and you can spend an hour at this station, an hour at that station. We'll do a rotation uh, so people will have, you know, opportunities to focus in and learn on really what they want to or, or master uh, one or two skills or you know, really get the variety. Um, so each of us has different strengths and we've been competing for different lengths of time and we approach things totally differently. And, you know, it's a great opportunity to learn from some of the top shooters in the nation and get those different perspectives. Um, ask the questions. We'll do a, we're going to do a panel um, at the end of the day where people can ask us questions. They'll hear multiple perspectives um, on the answers too. So I'm not sure that there's another place that you can go to get that many um, different perspectives from from that many top level shooters in one place so we think it's going to be pretty cool we're yeah. pretty excited about it no that's an absolute huge value that and for someone that's getting into the sport that can accelerate their progress more than what a year maybe of just mm -hmm. struggling through it all yeah um that and i mean to be quite honest a lot of those classes are much more expensive if you start looking at you know, just even four instructors so the value I think of that class can't be overstated. Um, and then like when, when you're talking about learning from the different people, like learning from 10 different people, you're almost guaranteed to have someone that thinks in a way similar to you. And I guess the example that I have is Kate and I did a like a 30 minute thing after our local match, right? I'm 6'3", 220, Kate's, I don't know, five something, maybe 110 pounds. Like there's things that I do that she can explain why she does differently to the eight-year-old junior shooter that's at the match. So I think like if, if you're on the fence about something like that, having so many different people and body types, you're really going to see there's not really a limitation on what you're doing. It's just you might have to do it a different way, but that's probably an advantage for your body Right. Yeah, because in our sport, that's so much, you know, it's you could describe it on one end as, you know, weaponized math, the other and tactical yoga. And, uh, yeah. you know, the the person that got me into all this is Jennifer, the, you know, Miss Former Ballerina. Um, <laughs> I, I look at something and be like, how am I going to shoot this? I, I think the first one was, it was actually what we were talking about last week, shotgun match. There was two Texas stars that we had to shoot underneath a wall. And I'm like, how are you going to shoot that? And she goes, I'm going to do a split and then I'm going to lean forward and use my boobs to <laughs> prop myself up. And I'm like, all right, other people, please, someone. I, I got none of that. <laughs> Anything else? That's awesome. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm sad that she's not on today because I was really looking forward to having two ladies on here because uh, I thought it would be a really good time. But uh, I went to a match um, my first big match I ever shot like four years ago. And I was looking at my squad of guys and I'm like, okay, Marv, you're about my height. And so I walked up to Marv. I was like, Marv, you're about my height. How are you going to approach this? It was a rooftop and it was really tall. And I wasn't sure how I was going to see over it. 
And he's, he got so offended that I called him short, basically that he's like, well, I'm going to go after you. How are you going to do it? So I crawled up there and sat like a frog on top of the rooftop, grabbing onto the edge. And he's just looking at me like, there's no way I could do that. <laughs> yeah. It's all like, back to the training though. I mean, no matter what level of competition you are, don't be afraid to learn, put your ego aside, learn from, learn from your competitors. I mean, I've taken Chris Simmons's class. It's a good class. I mean, I learned from him. And here's the thing. I had to put my ego beside mm -hmm. to do it, right? Um, I thought, well, it's how much money, whatever it is. But can I learn something else? Can I, if it's one thing that I pick up after 30 years of shooting, if I pick up one more thing that I haven't picked up in 30 years, it's worth it. You know, so no, for sure, no matter what level sure. you're at, even if you're not a beginner, you're going to pick up more as not a beginner. Like if you come into an open mind and put put your experience beside and listen to what people say and don't think about what you're going to say to them. Right. Just listen. Um, yeah. You're going to gain a lot from it. I mean, especially on the mental side, like I, I'll help anybody on the mental aspect. So I've got a pretty good instructor with my wife on, on, on how to do it. She's been shooting archery, you know, Junior Olympics and farther on since she was my, since she was 13 also. So she's a pretty good coach for me in that regard. So it's, you know, you're going to, you're going to get a lot, of, a lot out of that training, in my opinion, whatever you want to get out of it, you're going to get out. We're going to teach you. Yeah. And the, if you ask, that, right. So. That's a great way to put it. It's like you get in your training, like what you put in, like if you come in with an open mind, you'll learn. If you come in like thinking mm -hmm. I can't possibly learn anything else, like, Hey, you probably won't doesn't matter mm -hmm. how much like good stuff's there but i agree with you like starting my seasons i always start with a class because one it forces me to actually start dry firing but two i've taken the same class from the same instructor he's a world champion and probably the best coach like there is who's that and you always pick up something new ben steger former I, he's been on this podcast yeah he's a pistol guy okay um yeah world champion pistol shooter i mean but he's constantly getting better and so he's constantly changing what he's doing and you're you're getting just a different perspective than what you normally get even if it's just you know you go out with your friends let's say i'm friends with craig with two g's right and he's teaching me he's teaching me he's teaching me if i go to roots class now i've got 10 other people not greg with two g's and they they're like you said they're gonna have something different it's awesome mm -hmm. right Right. And the other thing I'm always doing too, just to share with the community is, uh, I don't know if anybody has read General Madison's book, but one of the things he says in there is that if you're not constantly reading and educating yourself through books, you're functionally illiterate. So the one thing I'm constantly doing for mental sports, at least the mental aspect of sports, is I don't care if it's you're reading a book on like mental management for golf, shooting, something. There's something you can be doing, whether it's the wind book, whether you're reading it for the second time, uh, I mean, like Rob Tucker recommended a, a good book, uh, like Mind Gym, I think it was called. Listen to that a few times. Yeah. There's so many different avenues, especially when you get up to like the top 10%, what you need to do mentally to like get yourself in the right, right place. Keep thinking, like always thinking about different things. So it, it never stops. You should always be reading something or thinking about something if you want to compete at the level that we're at. So, absolutely. I feel like we spend so much time and effort and money on gear um, or the right ammo lot or, you know, those types of things. And people forget 
that there's, there's the mental aspect of the game. Um, and there's also the, the training piece. I know, you know, even still, um, Justin and I have each other to bounce things off of, which is really helpful. Um, but taking a class, I, I learned so much more in that period of time. Um, and I didn't cry at the range, which was a great thing. Cause you know, that's happened several times, <laughs> Justin and I go, uh, but you know, I just hearing from a different perspective, the same thing. Um, I was being told the same thing that Justin told me a hundred times, but it clicked differently because it was told to me differently. And all of a sudden it started to make sense. And that mm-hmm. really upped my game. So, you know, I just can't stress enough, you know, find whatever class out there, um, exists. If you, if you can't make it to these ones, that's, that's totally fine. Just look for, for some kind of training and get that outside perspective. I got to push back on the gear thing. I think you can buy wins with gear. I've read it several times on the forums. <laughs> So getting that just completely out of here, Rimfire two years ago, right? Used to be guys saying it's practice for center fire. Nowadays it's, it's its own sport. So like fundamentally, if you were to pick two things that are different or one thing that's different in Rimfire, what's the biggest difference for the people that shoot center fire and Rimfire and or maybe don't shoot one. What's the biggest difference in the room fire now? Yeah, let me start. So I would say on the East Coast, mm-hmm. room fire has been big right along with center fire because we didn't have the range or the, the bigger national organization to tag on to. But okay. I would say to your second question, the thing is call and wind. So I've watched center fire pros come into this and shoot and think that they're going to do well. And they have the fundamentals. But what screws you up is you can't load development. You've got to spend all this time (laughs) to get a lot of ammo that miraculously shoots through your gun. And you think you can tune it out, but this gun don't have a tuner on it. It never will. Like if you'd put the time in to get your your, your ammo right, but it takes a lot of time. the transition back and forth, you can't just grab a box. In my opinion, you can't just grab a box of ammo and think you're going to compete in the top 10. It ain't going to happen. So you have folks that might try to transition from, from center fire over. The next thing you know, their ego gets hurt because they're getting beat by someone who's 30th place in center fire, right? And now they're they're way down the bottom of the list. So I would say the biggest thing to transition is one, you got to mentally be able to do it. You got to be able to come from there's only a few people I've seen transition from center fire. Slade, Steiner, probably the only two I can really think off the top of my head who are top-tier center fire shooters who came over, right? Dolan, right? Um, the rest of the people are all rim fire shooters. I think once you transition over, if you don't have that part of your game tight, your ego won't let you get past not shooting well. So you've got to have an ego that lets you learn and then, two, be able to do all the extra work to get – your data up to speed. And once you get your data up to speed, you've got the fundamentals. In my opinion, what do you think, Ruth? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm just gonna say wind is a is a thing that affects rim fire very differently mm-hmm. than center fire. Uh, so yeah. Like I said, <laughs> you, can't, you can't load for it. And the other piece of, of kind of taking a little bit of, of what you were saying about the load development, you know, there, there are always inconsistencies, the best match grade ammo there, you're still going to get the occasional flyer. So to know and be able to filter that out and still keep your wits about you, that's really what this game, this game is about. It's about adapting 
Um, and having that ability, it's, it's, you, you don't get to watch trace. Um, you know, you can see bullets occasionally, uh, depending on the glass that you have, but there's yeah. a lot more components to it. Um, that, that said, I don't shoot a lot of center fire. Um, and, and it's mostly a time thing for me. I love that I can grab a brick of ammo and, and go out and shoot. And, um, I, I'm probably less, uh, I'm, I'm probably one of the, the few people um, who don't do a lot of lot testing. So I, I just grab a brick of ammo and I don't care what lot it is and it shoots really well through my gun and you know, that's all great. Um, but that's, that's pretty uncommon I'd say in this game. Um, and, and my gun just happens to, to like every You shoot R50 though. That's probably a lot. Yeah. yeah. RWS R50 is what I'm shooting. So yeah. It's solid. <laughs> I recently no. just started testing it, Ruth. I grabbed, so example, if the rib fire shooters will get this and I don't want to put a run on R50. But I bought four lots, all three different speeds, all shot the same hole, and all were within a few feet per second of each other, and all within a couple of inches, like a like a one inch group at two hundred. It's just stupid good, but it's also like twenty two fifty a, a box. So, right. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and Lapool, you're, you're totally, about to make me can't find it. Lapool, <laughs> totally, well, Center X won't do that, but. Yeah, you probably got to go exact or super long range to get that kind of results. But um, yeah. I'm I'm happy with the the test center option because I I did not <laughs> testing at first and then that was just a pain and thankfully the test center although it's nine and a half hours for me it's like thirty five minutes for my little brother. Nice. So went up there to to visit him and spent Monday morning as the sun came up shooting sixteen different ramps lots through and lost enough ammo we just lost a grade um for a uh for a couple of years that's just because i don't shoot a lot i think if i did that whole i think greg was talking about shooting three days a week at lunch plus a match every weekend uh, yeah that would not last me two years but by not uh by not shooting a lot yeah that, i had yeah. to uh i had to post publicly a few times like who has the short chamber rwsr 50 because that's what i've been shooting and it works so well through my gun. Like, I just want to get through worlds and I'm like running pretty low. So anyone have this? And I found a couple local guys that had a couple bricks left and anyone else shout out if you, if you have any short chamber, <laughs> I know who will buy it from you, but yeah. it's good stuff. There's it's a lot good of good stuff, stuff but unless do you okay so let me put it this way if you're not in the top five and you have no aspiration to be in top five do you think it really matters what you're buying not that's I mean, the cool part about rimfire though yeah yeah agreed and the the really cool part is that you don't have to sit and reload um so <laughs> that's, well, that's there's, what, there's other ways around that right <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean so i i've been thinking about doing a little more center fire, but if I do, I'm definitely going to have to shoot factory ammo because I just don't have the time yeah. when you're match directing and trying to travel to compete and, and all that stuff. There's just, there's no time left to do, to do reloading. There's hardly time to practice. Um, no, so. you're right. But the nice thing about any competitive sport is that industry will make a solution for it. And with even center fire and rim fire, the ammo is getting way better. And it you're is. seeing companies really develop stuff, not just for like your bench rest 50 yard match anymore, 
or your indoor nationals, but you're starting to see the super long range stuff. Um, so I think, I think it's cool. I think it's really nice that you don't have to go out and spend a whole bunch of money, in different ammo lots and just buy it. Yeah, for sure. The biggest thing is the, the more rounds you can get down your rifle, the better, the better the shooter you're going to be. Um, you know, you yeah. got to develop that experience. The other piece of rimfire is it's really a, a good way to get new shooters involved. Um, it's quieter. So a lot of us don't, don't God, yes. um, there's <laughs> very much more conversational. You can ask more questions, the community yeah. itself. I've, I've never experienced anything like it. Um, so I love that, that it's very friendly to, to females and friendly to youth, um, who want to get involved. Oh, and, he, and Greg's got a suppressor on his. Yeah. So the oh, shot shout out suppressors. Yes. Yes. So, like suppressors are awesome. Suppressed bolt action 22s. They're so quiet. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. They're so quiet. The neighbors don't know what you're doing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like neighbors. So kind of a tangent here, but putting rounds down range is kind of something you mentioned gets you much better as far as like calling wind and, and all the things that you have to see on the target. How does the target move? But how do you think dry fire translates to rim fire? Because I know a lot of center fire guys that don't believe in dry fire. I, we do it all the time. Um, so, you know, there's the, the DST precision does this, you know, dry fire, um, deep at, and it's mm -hmm. super popular with people getting into rim fire. Um, people run that all the time. Cause you can, you can attach it to your scope and, um, change your, your field of view. Um, so you only need like 10 yards basically to, to set up a mm -hmm. whole, um, right. range indoors. So a lot of people, we dry fire all the time. Um, it's, it's something where you, in my opinion, reinforcing my fundamentals. So I focus on one thing at a time because you have, if you're going to dry fire, you need to do it right. You don't want to reinforce yep. bad habits, especially because you don't have that confirmation of that ring of steel, um, right. or the punishment of a miss. Right. But theoretically, let's say you have good fundamentals, but there's something that you're working on. You know, I sit and focus on one thing at a time and I make sure that, that my trigger pull is correct every single time and I'm developing that muscle memory. Um, so I think it can be hugely beneficial and it's great to, to figure out which positions you're most stable in. Um, I can't imagine not, not uh, dry firing as, as a competitive edge or why you wouldn't want to um, for those reasons alone. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I sent you guys kind of my like block one training. And that's the one thing I look at is the the hindrance to PRS runner hostile shooting is folks get into it. Let's say you're 28 years old, you're 25 year old. You're past the point in your life where you've dedicated time. Like if you started a sport whenever you were a kid, let's say you're a wrestler, you wrestle every day for how many hours a day, tennis, whatever it is, you're forming subconscious skill what yeah. doesn't happen to a lot of shooters is they never put the reps into form subconscious skill so like the first thing i tell people if i'm going to train you is i need to see you put in hours and hours a week to form subconscious skill we're not going to get the block two i'm not going to teach you how to shoot a match any of that because it's not important yet but you've got to put in thousands of reps just thinking about fundamentals 
not how to hold over or how to dial. But if you're a new shooter and you're brand new, I don't even want to go to the next skill level until I know you've got natural point aim, cheek weld, body position, all those things ironed out. And they're, they're ironclad before we start thinking about how to dial your turret or how to hold over. Because you got to get that right first before your brain can even think about the other stuff and get the, get that other right through your subconscious. So that's how it's done. It's done through reps. It's done through dry fire. I mean, Do you really think yeah. it takes hours a week of dry fire? If you're brand new, if you're brand new, like if you're um, brand new but, and you want to compete at the top levels, uh, it's much yeah. easier if you want to compete at the top level to start with yeah. the proper fundamentals. Cause I had to learn those things. It was, a. Uh, mm -hmm. I think I was listening to Regina Milkovich on a podcast at one point and she kept mentioning NPA and I didn't know what it meant. Uh, so I'd asked Justin and he told me it's natural point aim. And I was like, what is, mm -hmm. what does that mean? And I'd been shooting yeah. for a year. Uh, learning that earlier would have, would have helped me um, to, to not cheat, I guess. So I don't think it takes a ton of time to get started in this by any means. Um, but if you really, really want to be like top tier you know, winning national level matches, um, it, you know, doesn't hurt to start with uh, proper fundamentals. Yeah. And I think yeah, if, you, I, I guess. if you were a process driven sport before and you could mm -hmm. learn a process quickly, then you're probably going to pick it up quicker. Right. Um, like Morgan with bull ride or roping, like, right. I don't know how much time he put in dry firing, but the man's phenomenal. So if, I think if you were a process driven sport prior, you might be quick. You might pick up a process quicker because your work ethic knows how to pick it up. But if you're just coming in as never had a sport prior and didn't have the fundamentals, it it didn't even know what the fundamentals are. It's it's a lot. I mean, you you think you need the reps to get them in there? Maybe not hours. Maybe that's a bit bit extreme. But my opinion is 15 minutes a night. So, okay, so that that's kind of what I was thinking, right? Because Minimum. consistency versus total time right if you're doing something even if it's just 15 minutes a day if you set everything aside set the phone down don't listen to some like podcast in the background and just focus on one skill for 15 minutes and you kind of you know plan it out maybe miss sundays maybe miss match days you end up with five days a week where you have 15 minutes that's not that much time that's under an hour and a half a week on but, the i mean you can that's right but yeah, but you don't really lose the skills that you developed. So it, it's always something that I wonder, like, how much time do you really need to get better at the sport? When you maybe maybe the guy that just doesn't want to win worlds, but wants to win his local match or like the first, you know, maybe they want to be top 10. Like, is it really that different? It's probably the same, like, just consistency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I uh I probably don't want to admit this publicly, but I will because that's just the person I am. Um, I, I don't hardly practice ever. I don't dry fire hardly ever. <laughs> I'm not saying that that's what people should do, but um, I, I try to shoot a lot of matches. I spend a lot of time uh, trying to get in the right headspace and my equipment works. So if you, if you get those things set up, I think you can be highly competitive you know, with reliable equipment um, mental preparation, uh, without necessarily putting hours into practice time. Um, mm -hmm. I just shot a yeah. ton of matches and I took some training, yeah. reinforced that training with some yeah. dry fire. Um, yeah. and that, that helped a lot. 
You got to break up yeah. your practice too. Like I have dry fire days, mostly in the winter. Mm-hmm. I don't dry fire in the summer at all. And then I have live fire days where I mostly do drop drills on paper. And then I have data research days. Those are still days where you're gaining information. Like all of it, you have to think about I'm gaining information. And then I have days where I'm just thinking about wind. I'll go for a walk and I'll fucking take my wind. What should be swearing? I'll take my Kestrel with me and I'll look at wind. Yeah. I'll hang flags up. I'll think about wind. But it could be any kind of practice. It's all the same. Like if you shoot 3Ds, you're you're guessing yardage all the time. Everywhere you go, you're thinking about how far away is that target, right? It's it's a similar mindset. You could always be thinking about it. And you want to gear that up. Like you can't run at a high octane all year long. You've got to think about when do you want to ramp and when do you want to pee. And that's when you got to put it in or you're going to burn yourself out. That could be in a Yeah. Yeah, that's why after the big matches, it's just straight hunting season. There you go. Steiner said he used to shoot 15,000 plus rounds of 223 a year. Well, crowns were out. Yeah. Bush was in presidency. Yeah. And he also said once you create solid muscle memory, practice changes and you can use less live ammo which is true and i think that's what a lot Let's of ask him about his trigger squeeze how how's that working out Snyder? he gets a running start right that's how you're supposed to do it yeah. <laughs> i kid you not i shot for a year and then i was laying at the uh range one day with justin we were practicing something i don't remember and i was like are you supposed to be relaxed when you're laying prone i was like tensing everything up for like a <laughs> year every time i shot to like hold everything still Oh man, you guys, it's pretty good time. Yeah. That's where a lot of use comments. You know, so I guess the one thing I want to touch on before we head on how long this goes is like what we're gonna do to bring youth into the sport. I had a good call today from Dick Hedges. He's down in Florida. Um, he has a really good connection with youth shooters down there where he's, he's working with schools and stuff like that, trying to figure out a way. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing I want to work on is one of my goals this year is how to figure out how to bring some of these like historic clubs, right? So we have a lot of schools around here still that have rifle teams. How do you engage those folks? Like how do you bring them in? And that's really one of the things I look at. You know, I've thought about it for years. Like, how do I do it? How do I bring them in? And that's going to be something I want to try to bring my focus group in like this year and think about because it's it's the next generation of our sport. Like I, I stopped shooting a uh, three position because there was eight guys, right? Yep. And you know, it just wasn't there. Like, why buy a five thousand dollar rifle if you're gonna shoot with the same eight people all the time, right? So, getting that growth, I think, is going to be my like my next emphasis as, as I look at like what I'm going to do in the next few years versus just being a competitor. So, yeah. So um, let's kind of talk down through that because one of our next question was about, um, you know, do we think rimfire has a higher higher potential to grow the shooting sports because of everything that it is versus centerfire? I think yeah. that anyway, I wouldn't limit air guns either. I mean, there's a lot of liberal states out there who they're afraid of guns, and air guns is a way to get them in, um, especially the Europeans. I mean, air guns are already growing as far as like three position teams and rifle teams in the schools they've transitioned. So I don't know how competitive they'll be. I'm not an air gun shooter, but I think that and um, room fire are a, a, 
you want to say economical, but it's this is all this all costs a lot of money, right? But uh, it's a way that you don't have to buy a lot of components all mm-hmm. to get involved in practical and put it in wraps. Um, it depends, like which, which sport we're looking at growing. Are you speaking like center fire? No, rim fire. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, Ruth? Yes. So um, I feel like the the rimfire world is just a little bit more reachable for younger people, um, especially. I mean, it's it's nice for the ladies too, and not not every lady's wired this way, but a lot of the people I talk to, um, there's a confidence factor that comes into play. Having a community that's very focused on everyone's success is super helpful. I don't know why there's, there, there is a difference though, between the community in center fire and rim fire. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, of overlap, but I really feel like the, the rim fire world is so welcoming to new people. Um, and you know, the conversation, conversation piece of it's huge, um, is, you know, definitely something that contributes positively to, to bringing new people in and younger people in, um, the, the, you know, having equipment that that's set up properly for younger people um, or shorter yeah. people, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and less recoil, <laughs> less intimidating. So, you know, having those components in, I think we're in a unique position to really grow the sport to people who normally wouldn't be around guns. Um, and and I think that that's a really good way for us to kind of shut down the Second Amendment debate is to invite more people into the sport um, and to, to get them educated on firearms so that, you know, these common sense laws don't be, you know, all of a sudden don't make much sense, you know, once you're educated on, on what we're talking about. So the more we can spread it around, the better off I think we'll be. And I think Rimfire is a great avenue for people to start. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, one of the things that we try to do is really overemphasize the fact that there's youth like really young kids like 12 years old doing well at matches not just coming out but competing with adults and having fun we do the same thing for ladies so as as me i can't get ladies to come out but ruth as ruth can get her friends to come out and we see the same thing with especially teenage females where they're bringing their friends out and it's fun they're doing it together Prentice and I are not like able to target this demographic, but (laughs) social media and, you know, talking to the families and the dads, we can kind of explain that the rimfire in particular, there's no real limitation on size or anything other than your ability to mentally shoot. And so highlighting that, especially in social media has been super helpful for us, getting that type of demographic out. Yeah, and that's, you know, I think the two of you have done a, a better job at your matches than I have. My match is a lot smaller than y'all's. And I do, sometimes I'll have a match and I'll have, you know, 15, 20% youth shooters, um, about the same with ladies. Sometimes it's a little more, sometimes it's, I just won't have that division. I always have the old guys. They're always there. They're always there. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But I mean... We mentioned it earlier. I mean, like our second place shooter in our point series now is 15 year old and female. So they're definitely kicking some serious stuff. I know what that's like up, up here in the Northeast. You've got 
really oh, high, yeah. uh, <laughs> a, a very high ranked uh, lady shooter who was a youth at one time. I, I, uh, I that way it's somewhere. A spirit animal, something like a murder rabbit or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay. If you if you can see into the future, where is Rimfire in five years? Is it bigger than Centerfire? Is it just totally different? Is everyone putting a tuner on their gun? I'll go there. <laughs> I'll go there. I have not. I have not. <laughs> I'm not selling tuners, but I don't know, man. If you if you put the work in with actually a lot of testing this stuff, I don't think you're being in a cheat code. There's no cheat code to rimfire. You can't slap a tuner. In my opinion, you just can't slap one on and think you're gonna miraculously cure putting in hard work and finding a good, a good lot. Um, Bro, that's an easy sell though. You can slap it on and shoot better. Man, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just take the jab. You, you'll never get it. Yeah. Oh god. Uh, okay, so <laughs> five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think it's growing. I mean, we look at the growth we've had in the last two years. We've been shooting rimfire in the Northeast before a lot of the big series were even the thing five years ago, and we had 20, 30 people to match. Now we've got matches every other weekend with 40 plus people. It's 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 amazing. Like I, I don't know if it's sustainable. I'm not sure, but um, I like to think that it is. But there's just so much growth right now. It's It's, you know, it's a lot of the same shooters shoot, shooting every weekend too, so it's how long they can sustain that. I think is is part of it. Um, what do you think, Ruth? Yeah. Where, where, where do you see? You got a pretty good pulse. Um, yeah, yeah. I think we're we're advancing, so you know we're looking at that next level of competition um, and how how to make things more competitive. Uh, we spent quite a bit of time, Justin and I, with Midwest Precision, putting together a match director guidebook. Um, the goal of that is, you know, there's a lot of really experienced PRS uh, match directors uh, for Centerfire. And there just wasn't um, as, there's a lot more match directors in Rimfire um, that they're just starting out or have never hosted a match before or things like that. So we, we threw this together for that reason. I feel from conversations with people based on that and feedback I've gotten from it. Um, and there, there are way more people interested in um, in the sport that had never been involved before, which just means that the growth is kind of infinite at this point. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't have a, a limitation and then the, the shortage or the component shortage, um, that really, you know, push people, uh, to participate in rimfire that maybe were otherwise involved in center fire sports. So I think, um, I see it growing. I see it advancing. Um, you know, hopefully we keep that focus on, you know, there's a space for the the beginners to get started, mm -hmm. um, but then creating this new space for the advanced shooters who are who are really focusing in on rimfire and, and nerding out on it um, to kind of step to that next level. So. Right. I mean, yeah. And uh, so Ruth be a little humble. When she said they put out a, a a handbook for match directors, it's like forty some pages, and it's phenomenal. It's like <laughs> published by Macmillan. I mean, it's. Someone sent me like, "Have you read this?" And I opened it up, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, it's it's an incredible resource." And I, how many hours did 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 you and Justin put into that? Or, or, oh, oh, months, <laughs> hours, months. months. We didn't stop talking about this for probably a good year. We were talking about sections to put into it and how to build yeah. stuff out um, based on our yeah. our experiences. So it covers everything. And I've I've been sending out to local match directors here that are new, and I'm like, "Hey." 
what do I do? Read this. <laughs> Thank her. You know, like it's 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 amazing. I think where we see it going, I mean, I think the IPRF, let's get back to like what we're talking about with the USA team. This world recognition of it is going to raise the bar. I've already seen it as far as who attended championships last year. For sure, folks attended the PRS championship as an avenue to get to the worlds last year. And it's going to happen again this year. Folks are going to shoot more, try to shoot a bigger stage to make that world venue. And that world venue is going to raise the bar, in my opinion. And it's going to bring about, hopefully, like we're running a few two days this year as as like a test. Um, I'm running one, a couple of the guys are running one. But I, I know, Ruth, you've talked about two days on, on the NRL side. We're going to see something um, develop, hopefully organically and well, where we will work with each other over the next few years that it's a, a good competitive, you know, healthy, functional uh, competition, right? Um, how it all so happens. Those two day matches, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how many of those are there? And I kind of know a little bit of the backstory, so stop me, stop me if this is something you sure. don't want to discuss, but there's some stipulations on kind of the format and the cost and things like that. Um, yeah. Given kind of the history of the, the size of the sports, the sports that seem to flourish are those that you you really just let the match director do what they they think will be fun, right? Where Depends. NRL eggs grew out of the fun. Folks, folks have never like I like offhand, but some, yeah. sometimes like certain things, certain mm -hmm. things that they think are fun, right? But do you think that there would be two days this year? a set number of two days if you just said have fun no stipulations no anything pricing number yeah. of stages nothing is yeah sure i, I think there would be but i think what you want to try to gauge is what like what do you want it to become right so, right um i think pricing could, could gauge the market you could see how well someone prices it whether based on their attendance you mm -hmm. also have to look at like what are the matches are in the area that they're competing against um, you could look at, you know, how they structure their uh, their match, how many stages they have, what kind of reward or engagement they try to build into it. Like, for example, the two day that I run in, I'm really thinking about how do I get engagement at every level? That is very meaningful. What, what do you mean by engagement? engagement. So are, you, are you talking about making sure like the, the new guy, it's his first match, he just showed up for a two day? You get something, or are you talking about like? Yeah, so so I want people to feel like my goal is. I'll, I'll walk through. Mm -hmm. My goal is I want people to feel how I feel, right? Okay. When I go to a match, I feel like I've always got a chance, right? That I feel like I'm always in the winning. I'm always in the running, and that and that I'm engaged, right? And I don't know that everyone feels that way. And what what I want to try to create, at least with mine, is a way where you're peered on day two with your peers. So the way I'm running it is this day one, you shoot with your friends because that's a big element of our sport is community. That's the reason you mind. travel across squatting. the country in an, you know, an 18 person van with 10 dudes right. and all their stuff. Like day you want to share about those dudes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the way I'm doing it is day one, you shoot with your friends. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, day two, you're peered based on your, based on where you finish day one. And the, everyone shoots the same 10 stages day one. You shoot a different stage day two. And day two, your money stays in your squad. So let's say, you know, 
you know, one through three is open for everybody, no matter what squad you're in. If you win first, you get first. But if you're in squad two and you win squad two, you get squad two's money. So on day two, you can look at the 10 people beside you and know that, one, they're paired with you. They shot similar to you day, day one. And two, you've got a chance. Whether you're in squad two or you're in squad nine. You're Do you think money motivates someone to go across the country, though? Like, I mean, you're you've got probably a ten thousand dollar rifle. It's something like mm -hmm. seven, eight thousand. It's on a thousand dollar tripod. Do you do you really think money is the motivator? Like, what what grows the sport? Is it? Yeah. Well, I think engagement's the motivator. So I think that um, them coming right. So one, mm -hmm. it's it's a high level match. Two, I think it's it's a feeling of engagement and how do you create it, right? If you create it with a prize table, I don't really think so. I think you create no, it with a prize table no chance. 15 people. Well, it's but the same I thing. It, a prize table is money. There's a feeling of match pressure that I want everyone to have. And that yeah. feeling, like when I go to a big match and I'm nervous, I'm happy that I'm nervous because I know I've earned that piece of nervousness, right? And I want people to feel that on day two. I want someone in squad nine who's competing against 10 people. They all have a little bit of competitive nature to know that that 400 bucks, they may not think it's a lot of money, but it's a mental thing. It gives them a feeling of these are the, these, these are the 10 ladies and guys that are around me. We're going after it together. It hasn't been done yet. And I want to get feedback. I'm going to put a survey out. I kind of want to know if it gets engagement because how do you get engagement? Let's say one of your pro matches, engagement, engagement. Like, how do they feel included in the match at number 90? Right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's an interesting way of thinking about it. Like, the juice for you and like that feeling for you is mm -hmm. why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. it it's an interesting, you know, it's, it's interesting to come from that perspective. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I like it a lot because it's, you know, I'm, probably the worst shooter in this little podcast right now. Um, but I think that it's really cool to have an attainable goal. You know, it's like when, mm -hmm. when the PRS introduced the, the trophies for top uh, marksmen, top amateur, top semi-pro, all that stuff, where it's just something that's within reach that for those of us that are not at the level where, you know, busting it out really hard, getting ready for this match will bring us from our, you know, 70, 80% up to winning or even third place. I think it's really cool. I think there's going to be a lot of planning and, you know, you seem to be the numbers man and good with figuring stuff like that out. So I, I think you can take care of it, but it's, I like it from a, from a mid-pack shooter. I think that it's really cool to, instead of, oh, there's 200 people that I have to beat. It's, oh, it, it's the 10 of us and we're going to go have our own mini-match. Mm -hmm. yeah, Did you burn that spot? It, I, I don't think that there's room in the market, personally, for more pro matches that are, that are prize table-driven. I mean, we've got a lot of pro two days on the center fire side. And I just don't think the market is going to be big enough it's not fair it's not fair to sponsors to, to demand more you don't want to ask me right you must know no. but I, I, personally that's how i'm going to do it for, for all mine i think other people are going to try other things and i'm interested to see 
how they get, how shooters respond, how they engage. Uh, but you have to have the other stuff. You have to have a good launch. You have to have, um, you know, all the other things with it. Or right. You've got the good course of fire. Clean. Everything's clean. 100%. There's ladies' restrooms. There's yes. a lot of restrooms. Thank you. Yep. And so yeah. it's it's a lot of different ideas, but I think they're all getting back to how how do you provide the most value for the guy that's not just he's not just buying a match. He's spending a weekend or they're traveling as a family, especially in Rimfire. How do you give them the value that it's not just another match? It's a vacation and it's an event. And they like they look forward to that all year. So I think I, I think everyone's looking at that same perspective, and it's an interesting thought. Like, how do you give them the feeling that you travel? Yeah, right. yeah. I think uh, so. I think Matt commented, uh, "Rimfire match directors should travel to up their game." I fully agree. I think that shooting matches and traveling to other parts of the country to shoot matches really helped us um, up our our match director game. I will say, um, Corey, you're you're skirting around so many things that I want to talk about that I can't yet um, from the All NRL right. 20 side of things. Let's go. Um, Let's drop some knowledge bombs. Yeah. Well, okay. So there's some, there's some exciting things coming up this year um, from NRL 22 that, that hopefully will, will answer some of these, at least it's our, our initial attempt to address a lot of those things. So, you know, great that, that um, whole match experience um, on, on a different level. Um, and you know, we, we do a really good job in the monthly series, um, the X series one day matches have been really successful. Um, so we're, we're just, you know, we're planning some stuff that we'll, we'll announce, you know, we're going to, we're going to announce soon here. Um, but I think that the stuff you're talking about is going to happen sooner rather than later, um, based on some insider information, stay tuned, maybe have me back in a couple months when I can talk more freely about, some of the details well, of it. Give her um, a drink. We got to get some information out of it. <laughs> yeah. We'll have you With Greg and Matt Steiner running the, the Rimfire stuff for the PRSI, there's some exciting stuff happening there too. Like Greg's innovating all the time and um, we're all, we're all friends. So, um, you know, working together to advance the whole sport um, mm -hmm. organizations, I think is huge. And that's going to be a huge benefit. So last question is obviously the easy one. What's your goal for this match, this IPRF world championship? Bring home the gold. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I want to shoot well, but I also want to be there to help in any way I can for our juniors, our ladies, our seniors, and everything else. So I mean, it's a total focus. It's just not focused on the open team. I focus on the whole team, right? I, I rooted on the ladies in France more than anyone else on that team. Like, I if I could have placed the bet in Vegas that the ladies in France swept the field, oh yeah, I would. I would have bet the house, bet the house, bet the farm. Yeah, so that's where I'm at. Like, my goal is that the ladies sweep the field. Like, if that happens, I'm a happy boy. So. You know, yeah, goals. goals. We've got a really talented group, so it should be a good time. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I think we are good on live. So we could go ahead and wrap this down to wrap this up to shout outs. This is the part where I got to be Jennifer again. What does she say? Um, 
<laughs> this is the part where we make Corey go first. Corey, what's the <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to shout out a few uh, Texas precision matches uh, for all the fun stuff that we do. Um, we've had for keeping my cheeks comfy. Uh, JP Rifles, Federal, Vortex, and Hunter's HD Gold. All right. How about you, Ruth? Um, I have I have a, a little bit longer list because I'd like to mention everyone. <laughs> stuff and it's also, for those of you who really want to uh, check out the fundraiser, there's some really sweet stuff on there from Apex Optics. Uh, we got a set of binos, uh, Vortex Optics, always like phenomenal supporters of, of everyone in our organization. So, you know, those guys rocking the Vortex hats. Um, Mantis uh, donated an X10 Elite training program. So that's definitely worth a look, if, especially if you want to up your own game. So that was a pretty cool thing. Uh, Tacticam sent us a long range um, package so you can actually record both through the scope and you can also have a separate one that's included in the package that you can record through a spotter so you can get both views of the target and through your reticle at the same time, which is super cool. Um, Athlon Optics sent us a Midas Tech scope. Um, Zeiss and GA Precision um, donated a $1,000 cert off of any Zeiss product through GA Precision. And then GA Precision also donated a chamber and muzzle thread job. So um, those are some pretty cool things from those guys. XLR sent us um, not just one, but three uh, element four chassis. So they don't include the buttstock. Um, they have a really cool buttstock, but it'll also take any AR buttstock too. Uh, and then Wiser Precision donated a chrono mount. Um, so it's kind of like a, a nice way you can add um, their chrono mount pro on and off your rifle pretty quickly. Um, so if you, if you don't want to mount it to your barrel, you can do it, um, on that device as well. And then, uh, shout out to Joe Knapp. He donated a couple things to, to our, uh, fundraiser as well. One of our local shooters, who's a pretty cool guy. That's all I got. So I have the wiser mount. I love it. Um, Simmons recommended it. He has one and it's super light goes on easy mounts really well. Um, gray ops precision, Dave Preston, always doing everything for the sport. I mean. He's, he's looking to help out the, the Rimfire team here going to Italy with some discount codes and some and some stuff. And he's always helping out every every match that's out there. Uh, Shiraxion Precision. Um, I got this this sweet hat uh, as well as all the other stuff from them. And they they donated to the team. The um, And really, I mean, just the big you know, Rachel Precision for helping out one of our, our junior shooters, Dakota Wright. They uh, recently sponsored her. Thank you for all the work you put it in to, to, to making her gun shoot well and, and, and helping her out. And then really like the big focus I have besides for, you know, I'm not a sponsored guy is what you do to help each other out is, is don't think about how you get a leg up on your competitor, but think about how you can help them because if they get better, you get better. And that's the emphasis for our region and, and how we look at sportsmanship. So um, I'll leave you with that is sportsmanship first, bring your competitors up, get better through that. Awesome. And then for me, I'm going to keep it short and sweet tonight. Um, I just like to thank both of y'all for all the work you're putting towards our, towards our team. I'm ready to see lots of gold come back. I want to see those podiums stacked in red, white, and blue, hopefully in person and live streaming it for all of you guys watching. Definitely now. in person. Definitely in person. I mean, I've already paid for the Airbnb. <laughs> Love it. So, uh, yeah. But if that, um, 
This is a wrap for episode 401, and we will see y'all next time.